Well, it must have been quite a scene in the early morning hours of March 29, 1849, when a shopkeeper in Richmond, Virginia, put the lid, the top, on a box. And the box was three feet one inch long, two feet wide, and two and a half feet deep. And inside of that box, an almost 200-pound man had crunched his body down into that box for a long journey ahead. Imagine the suffocating darkness. Imagine uh, being upside down at times as he endured a grueling 350-mile journey inside that box, going by railroad cart, going by steamboat part of the way, and then the last part of the journey in a rather bumpy wagon ride. But over 350 miles away, 27 hours later, in a Philadelphia abolitionist office, Henry Brown, after that, forever to be known as Henry Box Brown by his friends, emerged from that coffin-like confinement and began to live life as a free man. And as the news of this true, wonderful story spread around, it gave hope and encouragement to enslaved peoples, both near and far. Oh, I love that story. But you know, the Bible says that we as humans have a basic problem. We are born as slaves to sin. Jesus put it like this in John 8. He said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, that's what Christianity is really all about. Jesus came on a rescue mission to get us out of the box, to get us out of the box of slavery to sin. And he allowed cruel people to nail him to a cross, and he died there as a substitute for my sins and yours. He paid the penalty that my sins deserved and demanded so that I could get out of the box of sin and go free. That was Jesus' mission. That's what Christianity is all about. But you know, it's interesting, Henry Box Brown sometimes had nightmares. You can understand that, right? Not only from his enslaved life and all the horrors of it of the past, but also from that grueling 27-hour journey in the box. He had nightmares, and he sometimes kind of felt the bondage of it all, and it was hard to overcome. And you know, sometimes we as believers, even though we've been set free, even though we've been given new life in Christ, we still at times feel the bondage of our sin again. But here's the good news. God's prescribed a way for us to live in freedom. Jesus put it like this in John's Gospel, chapter eight. He said, if you hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciples, and you will know the truth, he said, and the truth will set you free. That's it. The ticket to freedom is holding to his teaching. Moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, year after year in our lives, 
if we wanna stay out of the box, as it were, of bondage to sin, if we wanna live in freedom, we need to hold on to his teaching. Now, we've been in a series all this month. If you've been with us, you know we've been talking about vital signs. We've looked at things like growing in love, uh, spiritual disciplines, a deepening sense, an increasing sense of accountability through how we use our time and our money. And today, I wanna wrap this brief series up by talking about what I believe, I believe is one of the critical vital signs of a healthy, growing Christian, the whole idea of deepening in the word. Now, each week, we've had a question that we've asked, and, and here's our question for today. Here's the question. Is God's word increasingly influencing me to be more Christ-like? How would you answer that question for yourself? Is God's word, the Bible, increasingly influencing you to be more Christ-like? You see, healthy Christians know something. They know that their sustenance, their spiritual nutrition comes from the word of God. And as the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us, he gives us a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. And so we want to explore those riches. We want to internalize that truth. I recently read a wonderful book by Jen Pollock Michelle. I'd never read a book by her. It was an impressive book. It's called Teach Us to Want. It's basically a theology of desire. And desires are so important in our Christian life. In fact, they tell a whole lot about us, what we actually desire. And Jen put it like this. She said, Scripture is the bedrock in the life of a Christian. And it's hard, impossible almost, she says, to grow without it. I completely agree with her. In fact, if anything, I think she may be understating the case a little bit of how important Scripture is. I personally do not know of a single, healthy, growing Christian who is not regularly internalizing the Word of God. You just can't be healthy without it. And so if, if someone comes to me and they says, hey, I want help with this. Maybe they're going through a hard time. Maybe they're struggling relationally. Maybe they're under stress or anxiety. Whatever the issue is that they're going through, just discouragement, the first thing I wanna know is what is your biblical diet? Because the answer is not gonna be in quick fixes. The answer is not in some magic bullet or spiritual pixie dust that we can just sprinkle over someone. The answer is gonna be, what are your practices and habits for Bible intake on a daily and a weekly basis? Why is that important? Because the Bible is our source of food. We just can't be healthy Without it. And so today, my premise is that scripture intake, internalizing God's word, his truth, is the most important spiritual practice available to Christians. Nothing compares to it, nothing can take the place of it. Let's imagine that a friend comes to you, 
you haven't seen your friend in quite a while, and he is just a bag of bones. You get, you're shocked in horror. Eyes are hollow. There's a listless look on his face. He is literally emaciated, and you go, man, what happened to you? I mean, he, he's just gone. He looks half alive. He's like a walking corpse. And you say, when did you last eat? He says, oh, I don't know. I don't know, I, I, I think I had a small meal last month sometime. You go, what, are you crazy? What's going on? You've gotta eat to sustain life. Dude, it's time to get some nutrition into you. Similarly, if you show me a Christian who's kind of listless, not a lot of joy, kind of ground down, kind of unexcited about the things of God, I'll show you a Christian who's probably got a deficient diet. That, that's why the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. There's gonna be a thirst there for the, the milk of God's word. Jeremiah the prophet talked about eating the word of God. He said in chapter 15, when your words came, I ate them. Imagine that. What a metaphor that is for spiritual life. And they were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. Now, th this is just my testimony, and I'm gonna be giving you my testimony quite a bit today. Again, so just take it as that. I'm not trying to universalize this for everyone. I'm just telling you what I've experienced as a disciple of Jesus. When I really came into the faith as a young teenager, I had a voracious appetite for the things of God. I mean, I was thirsty. I was hungry. I couldn't get enough. And it honestly feels the same way today. The word of God is just my heart's delight and I want to live in it and let it live in me every single day. So here's where we're going. I wanna give some practical steps for internalizing the word of God. These are nothing new. In fact, if you read any Navigator materials, a discipleship organization, read any 21st century or 20th century discipleship materials, you're probably going to run into these five ways of taking in the Word of God. But you would also hear them and see them if you read the ancients as well, because they also talked about these. These are just givens, and I cut my teeth on these. What I'm about to share with you are practices that I practice on a regular basis, and most of these I practice every single day. And so I hope that God will stoke a fire in you as well to want to eat a nutritious diet based on God's word. The first way we internalize it is by hearing God's word. Jesus said in Luke 11, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And again, notice the emphasis upon obeying. This is not just about knowledge. It's not just about filling your head with information. The purpose of this is always to lead to a wonderful, obedient life, a life that represents Jesus well, where we're being transformed into Christ's likeness. 
That's the bottom line of all this. So how would you say you're doing with hearing the word? Romans 10 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. The apostle Paul instructed his young mentee, Timothy, who happened to be a pastor over in Ephesus. He said, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Why would he say such a thing? Because the old apostle knew that we all, we all need to hear the word of God. It lifts our sagging spirits. It encourages us to keep on going strong for God. It stabilizes us in the truth and it bolsters our faith. How are you doing with this method? You say, well, right now I'm listening. Good, bravo. But do you do it at other times as well? Many of the sharpest Christians I know listen to scripture on, uh, when they're working out, or they'll tune into podcasts or solid Bible teaching and ingest the word that way through hearing. There's probably more ways, and it's probably easier to do this method than any of the other ones that we're going to talk about today. But here's the problem we only retain a small amount of what we hear and that for a very short amount of time. It's like water through a sieve. So we need more than just hearing. There's a second way that we intake the word and that is through reading, reading God's word. A Gallup poll done some years ago of the American public, just an objective, random sort of survey, which is standard, showed that 11% of Americans read the Bible every day. 11%. Now, on these surveys, I think people fudge it, don't you? I mean, you, you usually make it look a little better than it is. And only 11% read the Bible every day. Something that's more bothersome to me than that is a survey that was done a year before that by the Barna Research Group, which found that among those Americans who claim to be born again, only 18% read the Bible every day. Houston, we got a problem. We got a bunch of starving Christians out there who are just living on some sort of, I don't know what they're eating on, but apparently it's not a ton of biblical truth. Jesus, as he walked this planet, as he interacted with people, would frequently ask this question, haven't you read? And then he would go on to say, well, haven't you read that in the beginning God made the male and female? But he asked that question over and over again. Haven't you read? Jesus made an assumption that people who claim to be the people of God would have read the word of God. So again, I ask you, just how would you describe your own life with reading? Is that a regular part of your routine? Or is it something maybe where the Holy Spirit would be nudging you to make some tweaks starting today? You know, there are a lot of blessings that come through reading. Revelation 1 verse 3 says, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and takes to heart 
Blessed are those who take to heart what they hear. Take it to heart what the things that are written in this because the time is near. That, that's a special blessing promised to those who read that particular part of Scripture. Now, this all, all comes back to stewardship of time, right? You say, well, ah, Pastor, I, I hear you, I hear you, but I just don't have time for that. Do you realize that if you're just a normal reader, you're not a speed reader, if you're just a normal reader, in 15 minutes a day, you can go through the entire Bible, Old and New Testaments, in less than a year. Just 15 minutes a day. I urge you to get started on that. It's just really a matter of getting with it. There are hundreds of reading plans out there. You can Google those. If you're Coming up short, just ask your pastors at your campus, ask your leaders, ask your small group leader. They can provide some practical suggestions. When I became a Christian, again, my testimony, at the age of 13, I began to read the Bible through for the first time, and I want to tell you, I thought I discovered hidden treasure. Wow, my eyes were big. My heart was open. I was so hungry, so thirsty. I, I thought, I, this is a treasure trove. How can people not be in this all the time? This is amazing. I'm learning so much of how God feels about me, what God thinks, how he wants me to live. But here's the bad news. We only retain about 25% of what we carefully read, and that for a short amount of time. We've got to go beyond hearing and reading. That brings us to the third way, and that is studying God's word. I like what Jerry Bridges, a longtime leader with the Navigator, says. He says, reading gives breath, but study, study gives depth. And I, I think that's a good way to put it. Now, here's, here's my testimony. I had heard the Bible since I was a little kid. I'd been in church all my life. My mom took me, and I'd started reading it at the age of 13 and read it all the way through, and I read the Bible a lot. But in one year of disciplined study as an older teenager, I learned more in one year from study than I'd learned all those other years just from hearing and reading. The Bible's a gold mine. It's time to begin to mine that gold. I think a great biblical example of people who did this well is the Berean Christians as described in Acts chapter 17. It says, now, the Bereans were more of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness. And it says they examined the scriptures every day. Get that to see if what Paul said was true. That's impressive. I mean, you got the inspired apostle Paul, someone who wrote down scripture, someone who had visions of revelation from heaven. You got this guy teaching you and you still double check what he said. I think that's pretty impressive. These folks wanted to handle the word of God correctly. 
So if this is an area where the Holy Spirit is nudging you, I would suggest two things, just two things. One, I would get in a small group Bible study. Now, it's awesome to study the word on your own. I hope you will. I hope you have that discipline. But it's sometimes even more enriching to do it with other people. To have one or more people in that group who are further down the road perhaps than you are, who've been in the word longer, who've maybe been following Christ for decades, it's sometimes very enriching to hear from them and get a perspective on what the word of God means. So I would suggest you get in a group and your campus leaders can help you find one. Second, I would suggest a radical practice. Scandalous. Get a pencil. Get a pen. Get a laptop computer. But somehow, when you read and hear and study, start writing down questions that come to your mind. Just questions. Or insights. Or start jotting down things that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind. You see, the Holy Spirit will do that just this week. I was chatting with a brother I greatly respect, and he said, I was reading in the Gospel of Matthew, and I was reading where, you know, broad is the gate, wide is the way that leads to destruction, but, you know, small is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life, and Few there be that find it. He said, I'd read that dozens of times, but those words, few there be that find leaped off the page. I said, Chris, that was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does that when we're reading and studying the word. He will make things come alive. That's his job. That's one of the things he's there for in your life to teach you, to counsel you, and he does it through the word of God. So write some things down. I know of no one who does this more diligently than my wife, Debbie. <laughs> if, you, if you looked at our home, she has notebooks, I'm not exaggerating, that thick of handwritten notes. We have several of these in our home that through our married life, almost 32 years now, she has written down, as she's read through the Bible over and over again, and she writes outlines, she jots down questions and things that she wonders about and things, connections that she's making. I urge you to start some practice like that because here's what happens. Thoughts disentangle themselves while passing through the lips and through pencil tips. And my personal goal is to keep growing in my understanding of God and his word until I take my last breath on this planet. And I hope that's your passion as well. Oh, there's so much to learn. And I've got so far to go. Now, if you don't want turbo growth, if you don't want transformation in your life, please Ignore everything I'm about to say. Just stop your ears up, put your hands over your ears, get distracted in some way, pull your phone out and begin to play solitaire or something like that. Just totally ignore what I'm about to say if you do not want life transformation. We need to talk for a moment about memorizing God's word. If you memorize a verse, 
you may not understand everything it means, but you've at least got 100% retention. Now again, this is my testimony. I'm just telling you how it's worked with me. Memorization of scripture, God's used it to just flat out change my life. And it's still happening every single day. It's helped me stay out of the box of slavery to sin. It's helped set me free. God has used it to change the whole trajectory of my life. Now see, here's the problem. Here, here's, here, here's what bugs me for you. I, I, I feel so bad, but I hear this so many times, I wanna do something about it. Here's what I hear from wonderful Christian people like the folks that are listening right now. Here's what I hear over and over and over again. So I'm just, I'm just parroting back to you what you've told me. I've heard people by the dozens say, but Pastor X, I hear the word, I read the word. Oh, I'm in a small group. I study the word all the time. I love God and I love his word. But when it comes time to use it and need it in a situation, I can't remember a thing, right? You've said that. You've said that. You've wondered, why is that? You love God. You love his word. You're not balking at any of this. But when it comes to needing it in a situation, I can't remember a thing. I hear you. It's like a sieve, water through a sieve. It's gone. Now, it nurtured you while you were hearing it, reading, and studying it. Yeah. It nurtured you, but you need a way to keep it available to the Holy Spirit 24-7. That's where memorization comes in. You're giving the Holy Spirit something to work with because you've hidden it in your heart. That's what the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And then when your coworker says, hey, I'm going through a hard time. Would you mind just giving me some advice on this? Then you know something that you can share. Or when that unbeliever, you're having a conversation and wow, the gospel, he looks to be wide open to the gospel. You know what the gospel is because you've hidden it in your heart and soul. And the Holy Spirit, boom, can bring it to bear right there. You're given the Holy Spirit something to work with. Now, this is one of my boxes of scripture up here. It's a green box, as you can see. And this is green because all the verses in here are my newest ones. They're still kind of green for me. Isn't that cute? Come on, tell me it's brilliant. Isn't that wonderful? And after I've learned them well, there's a couple hundred, maybe 250 verses in here. And after I learn these as well as I want to, then these cards graduate to another box. Now, here's the thing. I simply write down this three by five card. I write down on one side the reference. This happens to be Proverbs 29, 25. I write the version that I'm using on this, and I write a topic. I wrote down fear of man on this. I flip it over, and it says, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. That's what the verse says from Proverbs 29, 25. I have thousands of these. I have boxes and boxes of these that I use 
And I'm trying, see, I need more help than most of you. Most of you don't need, you don't need to do thousands. You need to do maybe a few dozen. In fact, I, I tend to believe that every genuine Christian ought to at least, at least, at least, at least, at least, at least have two to 300 verses tucked away in their heart and soul, two to 300 at least, just, just to give the Holy Spirit a little bit of something to work with. It's just one of those disciplines that just, God will use it to transform your life. And I have so far to go, people. But wow, one day on my deathbed, they're gonna go. Does he still have a pulse? Is he still breathing? Yeah, I think so. He looks like he's memorizing Romans right now or reviewing Romans. I'm gonna be doing this till the moment I die. Because I can truly say with the psalmist, your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. I don't know about you, <clears throat> but I need a lot of counsel in life. Do you? I, re I regularly, regularly run into situations where I don't know what to do. And I wish I had wisdom. I wish I had insight. I wish I had some counsel. I wish I had somebody who's already been there and spoken about it. You know what I'm saying? Do you run into situations like this or is your life just easy? Mine isn't. My life, my life's hard. And I constantly am needing some counsel. Now, I praise God for all the wonderful counselors out there, women and men who love the Lord and who are grounded in his word and who counsel others through all kinds of situations. May their tribe increase. May they flourish. We need more of them in the capital district. Praise be to God for all the wonderful counselors out there. But ultimately, if any counselor is not pointing you to the word of God, you are not gonna have what you ultimately need. So ultimately, the word of God is our counsel that we need. And I close with this. It's the fifth way of internalizing the truth, and that is meditating on God's word. This one is really, really needed today. Psalm 119 verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all Day long. This is simply where you take a truth from the word, a verse, a snippet of a verse, a word or two even, and you think deeply, think deeply about the profound truths revealed there. It could be some aspect of God's character. It, it, it could be something he said about your own soul and the nature of humanity. It could be something that's relational where he talks about what we're to do in a given situation, and you meditate on how God would creatively want you to apply that and live that out, folks. Let me tell you, we need this more than ever in our culture. Our culture needs some Christians who are full of the Spirit and full of the Word and adding some flavor to life, for God's sake. Now, this is my cup of tea. Before I brought it out here, it was hot water. It's no longer hot. But this tea bag has been steeping in here all this time. Mm. Now, tea snobs will tell you, and there are some 
tea geeks and tea snobs out there, God bless you, they will tell you, and this is true, I suppose, that uh, you can steep tea too long, right? There's a certain sweet spot where you get the optimal flavor and value out of that tea bag. That's what they say. I get that. So this analogy I'm using, I know it's imperfect. No analogy is perfect. And this one is very imperfect. But I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Meditation, as far as I'm concerned, is like the Word of God steeping in the warm water of our soul. You dip this tea bag once and then bring it right back out, it, it's hardly gonna do a thing. It's not even gonna cause much coloration in the water, much less flavor. You leave it for 30 seconds or a minute, well, you can see the water changing color and you could even taste it a little bit, but wow, that's not nearly enough. But if you leave it and let it steep and steep, then you can get the full flavor coming through and the full value from it. So here's what I'm saying. If you memorize God's word and then meditate on it, it's like you're letting the word of God steep in your soul. Mm. Wow, that is good tea right there. The world needs some Christians who've been steeping in the word and we will bring some value and some flavor to this world. Joshua, the young leader, faced the daunting task. Can you imagine following Moses? I mean, that's a job you don't want. He was the man. Moses was God's amazing servant who led the people out of bondage, and Joshua's gotta follow that? Man, he's gonna need some courage. He's gonna need some wisdom. Listen to the commission that God himself gave to Joshua. He said, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. If the Holy Spirit is nudging you today to take another step, whether it relates to hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, or meditating on the Word of God, I urge you to take that step because here's the deal. I've not met a single person in all my years who was bound up and frustrated and caught in the box of sin, who say, you know what? Atheism changed my life. Humanism, do-it-yourselfism changed my life for the good. Praise God. Never, never met that person. But I've met hundreds and hundreds who said my life was a mess. It was bound in sin I was in bondage to habits and addictions and all kinds of things I seemed to have no control over. And I found in the scriptures and the Lord that I met through the words of scripture, I found freedom and it has set me free. If you're a Christian today, the wisest thing you can do 
is to internalize some of this truth every single day. That is the ticket to freedom. Father, thank you for your love for us and that you've given us this living word which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. And it is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. Thank you that you've given us such a rich treasure that we can internalize. I just pray for encouragement. I'm talking to brothers and sisters out there who love the Lord. Oh, they love him with all their heart. They're so committed to him and his cause and his kingdom. They love you and they love your word. May today be just another step forward to a deepening in the word of God to become the kind of people who can add flavor to a world that desperately needs it. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen.